Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a sloppy sports and entertainment talk show hosted by Giant Mess. That's me, the real cinch Neil Lynch. I'm an Irish Italian American who graduated from a Catholic high school but is not Catholic. I'm sorry to all my Irish ancestors, not Catholic, and the Italian side as well. Also, apologies for that. And then I went to uh, an overpriced university that's known for producing doctors of lacrosse players, and I didn't become either of those goddamn low-down, disgusting professions and or activities. Okay? Instead, I like to tell stories. We do a little bit of everything here. Cover the New York Football Giants, New York Mets, movie reviews, TV show, reactions and recaps. We also do some comedy here and there. I try to lighten it up, you know? Life's hard. I'm soft. You can reach me at 862-248-1986. That's 862-248-1986. NeilLynch.com is the blog. You can subscribe to Giant Mess on YouTube, youtube.com slash RealCinch or Neil Lynch or Giant Mess. RealCinch on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Giant Mess. And make sure, if you want all these bona fide certified triple platinum episodes before anyone else you gotta as the kids say smash that subscribe button or it's it's follow too i think follow is is what you could hit as well on today's episode we're gonna recap the giants thrilling victory over the washington commanders 2012 playoff hopes looking pretty good right now shot up to like 87 percent so we're going to take a look at that playoff picture and see what needs to happen what has to happen for los gigantes de nueva york to make the postseason first time in six years hopefully it won't result the same way as it did six years ago but to get there is quite the accomplishment We'll also look at the power rankings, because those are funny. I, get, I can't get enough of those things. Power rankings from ESPN and uh, 538. It's like, uh, you know, people, I guess they um, get off to that. I get my jollies from it in a different way. I guess people look at that, and then they send it to their buddies, and they're like, hey, look. Look at how high we are. We're not going to make the playoffs, but look how high we are in the power rankings. And then we'll preview the Christmas Eve game against the Minnesota Vikings. Skull. 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 Vikings coming off a ridiculous game where they came back from 33-0 at half. Let's try not to repeat that, shall we? So with that, let's get it started. And yeah, yeah. All right. I'll hand up. I'll admit it right off the bat. I didn't think we were going to win this game. I thought the injuries were just too much, and the commanders were too hot, and they had two weeks to prepare for us. And they did a hell of a job in that tie, that draw, in which we blew a lot of opportunities to, to, to put that game away and get the dub, and the commanders showed fight. And they uh, managed to come back and tie the game. And to a lot of people, it felt like they won. Really, it felt like we lost. So this go around, I didn't have a lot of confidence. That's on me, you know? Times are tough right now. 
holiday season, it's going to be a brutal Christmas. I can't, there's no other way to put it. So for me, uh, didn't have high hopes. You know, I, I think Saquon to me, it looked like he's, he's has a flat tire. You know, it just looks like he's just been beaten up and bruised and battered and he just can't run with the same explosiveness. And the defense, the secondary, the linebackers all chewed up and spat out and just didn't seem like we had the bodies. We weren't just, we just weren't healthy enough. And the, the commanders were fully rested coming off a bye. What the, what the, I mean, <clears throat> you look at the Sunday night football, the predictions and across the board, it was Washington, Washington, Washington. I think Tony Dungy just picked the giants because they didn't want a clean sweep again. Like they did with the Dolphins Chargers game. So it just felt like the commanders had all the positive momentum. They had all the good juju. The giants did not felt like we were on the downswing. They were on the upswing, especially coming off that shellacking at home against the Eagles. It was like, well, as I said last week, is this going to be a rallying cry? Is this like, Hey, are we going to act like Jihad Ward? who was possibly concussed in the, during that interview where he went off profanity laced laden, which I, I love. He showed a lot of gumption, you know what I'm saying? And are, are, are the other giants on this roster going to respond in kind? Are they going to do the same? Or is this going to be, we're going to roll over, you know, or we, is this, this, the, this is the end. My only friend, the end. <clears throat> and no, it wasn't the end. Now, hmm, should we have lost this game? Possibly. I think, you know, I mean, the, one of the major storylines is the referees, which is unfortunate. I do know that we got a couple of really big calls in our favor. You had the two-point conversion. Uh, when, we, when Washington came back and scored, it was 14-9. They went for two. They ran that kind of a pickish play. Uh, and... As Collinsworth pointed out, the pick wasn't on the guy covering McLaurin, I think it was, the open receiver. It was on the guy who was covering the pick, the picker, not the picky. So the picky was on the picker. It's not usually how it goes. But, I mean, how many times, guys, you know, you've watched the games, I've watched the games. How many times have we been called for bull malarkey OPIs? feel like there was a stretch where we were averaging at least one per game and they were like bored. Like you, you asked the, the, the legal analyst or whatever, the officiating analyst, the referee uh, that they have on the broadcast. And he's like, nah, yeah. You know, so it feels like for all the calls that went against us, it's like the referees, the NFL was just collecting those over the weeks. And they were just like, Oh, you know what? Big division game. Giants have the haven't made the playoffs in a while. Let's just uh, we owe them how many calls? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, let's give them three to five calls. <laughs> you know, so the two point conversion was one of those calls where it's like yes and no. I mean, I guess technically you could call that. Um, so then they missed the two. They uh, have to the penalized. They sent back and then Sly misses the extra point. Joey Sly, thank you Jesus. God is a gift, and God has given me uh, the ability to miss field goals. Thank you, God, and thank you, Jesus. Praise Jesus and praise God because they gave me the gift to miss that field goal. Sorry, extra point. Uh, so <laughs> 14-9, and, you know, there's the the last two, the last 
two plays of the game, basically. McLaurin, not in a legal formation. He's in a legal formation, supposed to line up on the line of scrimmage to cover the tackle. Apparently checked in with the ref. The ref was like, yeah, you're on the line of scrimmage, buddy. Wink, wink. And then uh, through the flag, which is like, that dude's a Giants fan. <laughs> we, can, we could all agree on that. And then, of course, the last play of the game on fourth down, uh, Darnay Holmes was just, you know, wearing that receiver like a jacket, like a full-on goose-down jacket that you see all over the friggin' Manhattan. It's like, y'all, y'all, did y'all make a group purchase? Get the discount? Was it was a Canadian goose? Whatever the hell that stupid jacket is. I know it's stupid, but I kind of want it. You know, everyone has it. So, yeah, bunch of calls that went, I guess, in our favor. But to you know, and that's kind of the the response from uh, the Giants fan base is like, yeah, but like, think about all those frigging calls that went against us to, over the course of the of the season that altered games. It's just nice to get one in our favor. Now, what I've I would have liked to have spread that out a little bit, a little bit. I didn't. I don't think I wanted it jam packed all into one game like that, but. <clears throat> it was a if you're gonna pick a game to jam pack it in, this is the one because we needed it big time to stay alive in the playoff hunt. So uh our run defense still sucks big time. I'm kind of confused how the commanders just have abandoned the run. Uh I mean, knowing that we have Leo back, we have Dexter, we have Aziz. We have Kayvon and we and the havoc that that front four can wreak in the pass rush mode. But knowing that when uh, opponents run the ball, especially with misdirection counters, which the commanders do very well, dating back to the 80s. So in traps and all that good stuff, knowing that our linebackers are subpar at best, why they didn't, and knowing that, I think Robinson was averaging like six yards a carry, seven yards a carry. Why would you abandon that? Just keep keep at it. So I feel like it was a combination of like, why it was really Washington losing the game and shooting themselves in the foot, which, hey, that's sometimes how you get W's, and I'm not arguing with that. You you are the it, by not shooting yourself in the foot and capitalizing on mistakes and errors. You are you know, ergo the better team. So uh, I'm okay with us. I'm uh, I'm totally fine with us. Uh, you know, not not exactly, you know, dominating and and crushing the commanders, but uh, but just being steady and consistent. And, uh, you know, making plays. So, you know, Dexter Lawrence coming up with a big strip sack. I mean, and it's, a, a, you know, I don't think any game more personifies the uh, or exemplifies the expression game of inches than this one was. <laughs> it was like Jones gets sacked, loses the ball, but his elbow was just down before the ball comes out. Meanwhile... Taylor Heineke gets sacked by Lawrence. Ball comes out just before his arm hits the ground. It's like incredible. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau coming up and making that big stop on Taylor Heineke when he's going for the pylon. You know? I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, what a frigging game, dude. 
something like 12 tackles, nine solo or something like that. Just like, I think he's now 100%. And what sucks is like, then he was, he had like an elbow thing during the game. And then I think he got poked in the eye on the last play of the game. So who knows what, I mean, we all see, we all think, oh, I poke <laughs> three stooges. Hilarious. And it's like, no, actually, the eye poke can really almost end your season or career. Just ask Daniel Bellinger. So hopefully it's not too serious. Um, but I know that he was, I mean, he left everything on that friggin' field, dude. I mean, everything. So uh, I think we're starting to finally see there was a lot of hesitancy when he was coming back from the injury. And I think that's just natural. You know, I had an, and not to make a comparison, but I had an MCL sprain in high school and coming back, you are a little timid and anxious. I mean, as you are with any injury coming back from injury, it's like, you know, you're going to be a little, you're not going to be fully confident, uh, in your abilities and in your body. So, but you can see the potential and the promise of this defense. And that's why it sucks that we lost to Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney. Cause you, can you freaking imagine? I mean, look at what we're doing with Jason Pennock, Tony Jefferson, Nick McLeod, you know, guys that are supposed to be a little bit further down the depth chart. And I mean, Jason Pennock is playing out of his mind and even Tony Jefferson's making plays. And, and finally they call up Landon Collins. I've been, we've been calling for Landon Collins to be up for how many weeks? Dude has not seen the field since the Seattle game, which I think was week seven or something like that. I mean, this is where the I get very confused by this coaching staff because it's like we're down all these receivers, but you refuse to play Kenny Galladay, even though he's technically healthy, I guess. Um, we're down all these linebackers, and you don't want to bring up Landon Collins, who essentially is a strong safety in the box, but you know, an extra linebacker, if you will. And you can see what he can still do. He reads the run, comes up, makes the play, tackle for loss, tackle for loss, tackle the line of scrimmage. I would love to have him dress for the remainder of the games because our run defense is putrid. I mean, even when, um, even with him up, it just seemed like we could not stop the run. And then you coming out of the, with the beginning of the second half, I mean, we just got carved like a Christmas ham, like a Thanksgiving turkey. You know, it's it was it was ugly. You know, it's just like, whoa, guys, what what just happened? Like, we're getting gashed. Every play is like fifteen yards through the air, and you, and you see stuff like that, and you're like, how is Washington not just running away with this game? Because they did dominate in the first quarter. I mean, it was like the that first quarter. Uh, felt similar to like the first quarter from the first game, whereas like Washington is just owning the game, and the score doesn't necessarily reflect that, but definitely the vibe is Washington's got Washington's got this in the bag, and then uh the the Kayvon strip sack fumble scoop and score, the grand slam as Mike Tirico said, changed the face of the game, and uh gave the Giants the the lead the edge. And then that allowed for the second quarter to for the Giants to put together one of the greatest long sustained drives these eyes have ever seen. 18 plays, dude. 18. 
God, I almost hit. I, I wish we almost hit 20 because I don't know that there's ever been a drive that long. I, I, I'm surprised that 18 plays is not a record. How is that not a record? And then 97 yards, dude. Eight minutes, 35 seconds. I mean, that, that, that's like right up there with the uh, Super Bowl 25 drive with the uh, Haas calling the signals and O.J. Anderson toting the rock and Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker, uh, making plays. So, I mean, like, that's what it felt like, you know, and obviously there's a, a, a divide, a gap between <laughs> that 1990 Giants offense and this Giants offense, but these are shades, you know? There's like... It's uh, they're shades, you know. It's a, it's a, it's imitation, maybe a cheap imitation. You know how like, what is it? Uh, California roll is like uh, crab stick. You're like, but this isn't crab. This is like some kind of fish. How'd you call a crab? That's what <laughs> that's what this Giants offense is like compared to the to the real thing. But I will say, good to have Brent Bretterson back. You know, we gave him a lot of uh, shit in the first half of the season for a couple of games. He was splitting time with Josh Azudu. He's splitting time here with Nick Gates, although he, uh, I think he outsnapped Gates by almost two to one, I want to say. And, you know, and that's, I mean, pretty much everyone has been saying it. Nick Gates is not a guard, he's a center. And for some reason, they're sticking with Feliciano. And they insist on sharing the duty between Gates and Bredersen at the guard position. One has to believe after the performance that Bredersen put on Sunday night that they're, maybe they should just stick with him at the guard position and maybe Feliciano you know, is an extra lineman on, on the jumbo package and Gates is your center. I don't know. I think the coaching staff, Dable in particular, is probably – partial to Feliciano and Glowinski, and so he's going to, they got extra leash possibly, but um, I will say, so on paper, you look at the numbers, you look at the box score, and you say, oh, zero sacks, and look at all those rushing yards. Um, Against that defensive front that, I mean, they were, I mean, they were filleting those guys on the pregame show. It was like uh, Darren Payne, what, Payne and Jonathan Allen. Just like you guys are the best. And it's like, eh, well, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, pretty good on the other side as well. But I, uh, you, you kind of impressed with them standing up to that and holding their own. But you also have to realize that there was just no, I mean, basically, after what Dable said after the Eagles game, where he's like, we left four or five plays on the field, and every single one of those were deep shots and Jones had zero time to get to those deep shots. You, they, this game plan makes sense. After watching the game, you're like, oh. And even Collinsworth was pointing it out in the broadcast. Like, they are just quick, quick, quick throws. Quick throws. No deep shots whatsoever. Um, the Giants didn't have a single pass that went over 15 yards in the air. So, yeah. It was like, we're going to time to release is going to be quick. It's going to be like two seconds or less. Would he get the hand, ball out of his hands and let our playmakers play? Um, I still think I still disagree with a lot of the not a lot, but a decent amount of the play calling from Kafka. There's too many times in crucial situations 
I don't know if it was the third quarter or fourth quarter. The Giants are driving. It's uh, There's a second and 10. We're in commander's territory, but we're not in field goal range. Second and 10, he calls a design QB draw. No, dude. <laughs> Just like, no. No, no, no. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I still cringe every time that Jones takes off and runs because the dude does not know how to slide. And I'm shocked that he has not got hurt this season because that's how he's gotten hurt the past two seasons. Maybe even three seasons. Maybe not his first season. I think I hurt on a sack. But past, like, 2020, 2021, both on runs, he got hit and, uh, done messed his body up so i especially I, i'm outlaw the qb draw i feel like the only qb draw that has actually worked was like the first time he ran it in tampa in 2019 it was like uh yeah that was the go-ahead touchdown but ever since then no what i do like in terms of design run plays for him is the rpo where he you know uh sticks the ball in Saquon's belly and then pulls and then runs. And we saw like a really good gain on that. Picked up like seven yards or something like that was just great. And he's, he's not running into the thick of things. You know what I'm saying? Where there's like, everyone's collapsing on him and you're just like, Oh no, it's just like demolition derby style. Whereas if he, at least you get him on the exterior, it's like, all right, he, he has an easy out. Just freaking step out of bounds, dude. Since you don't know how to slide. So, but I think the the big hero in all of this, I mean, there were a lot of heroes in this game, but where would we be without Graham Gano? you know? I don't know that we win this game with a lot of other kickers in this league. I don't know how many kickers would have, would have nailed a 50-yarder and then uh, a 50-yarder. In big spots, on the road, tough elements, you know, it wasn't exactly uh, uh, L.A., 72 in LA, you know? So to, to hit that field goal to go up 17-9 was huge. To hit the field goal to go up 20-12 was even bigger, dude. He misses that. It's 17-12. Washington, I mean, basically, uh, you know, I, I can't believe our special. I mean, outside of Graham Gano, our special teams is god-awful. I mean, Jamie Gillen had a decent game, I think. Not too bad. I think he bounced back pretty well. Showing resilience, always great. But uh, how you can kick the ball off and let Washington with like, I think a little less, maybe a minute 43 on the clock, have that kind of return, dude, and get out to like the 40-something? That was just devastating. But, you know, uh, it's just a, a testament to this defense and to what Wink Martindale has been able to dial up. I mean, I love, and I can see it coming too, and I'm surprised more teams are not seeing it, but Jason Pinnock, like most of the DBs are kind of playing off and soft, and then you see Jason Pinnock kind of creep towards the line, not showing blitz, but definitely like you can see there's a path, and you're like, and and like, and then you don't see anyone on the post, like you don't see the receiver pointed out, you don't see the left tackle pointed out, anyone on the offensive line, you don't see the quarterback pointed out, and you're like, this is a sack. This is a Jason Pinnock sack. And uh, so I was big fan. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that, and I think Wink does that to to uh, perfection. Washington had one more first down than us. 
They had more rushing yards than us. They had more passing yards than us. Uh, you know, but the, it was a game of turnovers, right? Two turnovers, and we turned them into points. They had four. Four. Uh, this is what I love: is we don't have a ton of interceptions, but goddamn, we're gonna force some fumbles. We're gonna put our hands. We're gonna hit you hard. We're gonna put our hands on that ball and try and poke it out. So uh, I do. I do like that mentality. Um, would like to see a couple more picks here and there because we know Taylor Haneke, um, not exactly conservative with the ball and is willing to like you know let it let it let it rip. And so I was surprised that we didn't get a pick, but um, I mean Nick McLeod, dude, you gotta catch that. You gotta catch that and end the game. I mean, right in your hands, dude. <laughs> right in your hands. Um, and as much as uh, I think a lot of people, the media included, have fallen in love with Taylor Heineke, he made a couple of bad decisions, especially towards the end of the game. Like the game, the the pat the the final pass to uh, I don't even know who it was Dotson I think so I think maybe where Holmes was draped all over him, and McLaurin was doubled and Collinsworth pointed that out, but he shook the two guys and was open by like two or three yards. I mean clear cut view, but I think Taylor was getting pressured and and they showed a graphic too where he's just not. I mean, I don't know about traditionally, like historically, but in this game, he was not good under pressure. And that's what the Giants defense needs to do on a consistent basis in order to to win these games. Because it really is up to our defense. You know, you can see it. Like our defense, it's, that's the game plan. It's like, and even Dable admitted it. He's like, yeah, we just, um, we basically just wait for the other team to mess up and then we take advantage of it. <laughs> So the defense is making the team mess up, and then our offense, it's like they just have to put together enough drives to score enough points to to get the to get the edge. So um, we won the time of possession battle, which uh, is incredible considering that first quarter. But you know it was thanks in part in large part to that huge eight minute thirty five second drive in the second quarter. Um, Daniel Jones, 21 32, 160, zero touchdowns, zero picks, zero sacks with a rating of 77.6, which I thought, eh, okay. All right. 10 carries, 35 yards. Again, I think we could do a better job with the design run plays. I, I hate the QB draw, especially on second and 10. It's like, no, thank you. Um, Saquon, 18 carries, 87 yards. And, and they did the same kind of approach as they did in that Jacksonville game, I think, where they just ran the same play over and over and over, back to back to back to back. It got to the point where I was like, it was the fourth time, and I was like, they're going to do the same play. And, of course, Washington stuffed it. But it was like, to, to, to be able to run that same play three times in a row and pick up a first time first down each time, 10-plus yards, is... Uh, is incredible and that's a great sign for our future it's like okay we might not beat philly or minnesota we gotta beat the colts but like if the defense is able to stick keep us around in the game that fourth quarter should be ours because that's when our running game takes off 
So, uh, you know, um, Jahan Dotson did have four catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. Most of the yardage came on that like 60 some odd yard bomb from Heineke, which that was not poor coverage. I mean, he had pretty good coverage. It was just a great play by Dotson. McLaurin, six catches, 70 yards, which is fairly decent. It's not like, you know, I think anytime that you, you know, anything above that, you're kind of like you're playing with fire. And, but, you know, for the most part, I think they held him in check. And uh, Curtis Samuel didn't do a whole lot. And uh, we managed to keep the tight ends in check, which is uh, a win for us. But yeah, so Thibodeau, nine solo tackles, three tackles for loss, QB hit, forced fumble, fumble recovery, touchdown. Uh, Ryder Anderson coming up from the practice squad getting a sack. Say what? Azizo Jalari, uh, four tackles, two QB hits, and a half a sack. I guess they gave him half a sack on that that uh, the stri- the uh, strip sack or the forced fumble by Dexter Lawrence, who got ha- the other half of that sack. Um, three QB three QB hits from uh, sexy Dexy. Jalen Smith with nine tackles. Holy crap. That's uh, probably not for the best, though. <laughs> not a lot of tackle for losses from that dude. But Jason Pinnock had a pretty decent game. Julian Love, great, a pretty good game. Um, Fabian Moreau holding his own. You know, uh, Leo, even though he didn't have a, didn't get a ton of notches in the box score, just great to have him back. I think, you know, just his presence on the field means you're going to have to pay attention to him. You're going to have to double him in certain circumstances, and that will open up Dexter or Kayvon or Aziz. So good to have Aziz back. Um, when those front four are 100% healthy, they're probably one of the best, like I would say top five. Top five front fours, I think, um, when they're fully healthy. And, you know, Leo wasn't, I don't think Leo was like 100%, but pretty good effort out of him. And he he got a couple pressures and, um, he was just disrupting some things, maybe not, you know, wreaking havoc like Kayvon, but like, you know, it was just good to see him on the field and contributing and, and, uh, to the madness, uh, Kayvon ranks first in QB hits among rookies, third among third among rookies with Q, in QB pressures and third among rookies with Q, in QB hurries, hurries. He also has more touchdowns than Kenny Galladay. Ah, uh, come on. Why I got to do that? Huh? Since Aziz Ojalari's return three weeks ago, the Giants are second in the NFL in sacks, only behind the Eagles, and the Eagles probably have the best front four in all of professional sports, <laughs> not just the NFL. So that's uh, pretty good, pretty good. So I think that if we could, again, keep this front four intact, figure out how to mask the blemish that is our linebacking crew, and I think we can do that with Landon Collins, I would just put him on the field. You know, I don't think he's going to get, you know, he's not, we have safeties galore. (laughs) We have Pinnock and Jefferson and and Love and, you know, so he's not, he's a safety in the box that's his position. It's basically a linebacker position. So, like, why not just continue uh, moving down that that path? Um, Dane Belton, I don't think, saw the field at all. 
Um, and I saw that there were some people asking about that on Twitter. He hasn't played in like the past two games at all, much at all. And I guess, though it wasn't really evident to me that he was making a bunch of rookie mistakes, you know, filling in for Xavier McKinney after his injury. But I don't know, man. I, I still have uh, I, I don't know. I got a pretty good feeling about him. So I'm, I'm hoping that he sees his way back on the field. So we're eight, five, and one. We probably should be six and eight, but here we are. And so what does that mean for the playoff picture? Well, glad you asked. Right now it's looking like uh, if the season were to end today, we get the sixth seed, which is banana land. Um, and I believe the commanders currently have the seventh seed because they're half a game up on the Seahawks and Lions. Um, so if we are the sixth seed, going into the place postseason, we're going to have to square up and square off against those San Francisco 40 freaking Niners. Nightmare alley, dude. I am not high on facing the 49ers. For whatever reason, I feel better about facing the Vikings than I do the 49ers because it feels like the Vikings are somewhat vulnerable and they've shown that they can get down big and then come back, but it, it, it looks like, you know, every game is competitive, and it looks like, you know, the Cowboys, I think, stuck it to them. I think the Eagles stuck it to them, so maybe they have an NFC East deficiency, like they have a weakness, you know, where the NFC East is their kryptonite. I don't know. So I would almost, we'll see how we stack up against them this Saturday. But I think the general feeling is, that we do not want to face the 49ers because they are a freight train from freaking hell right now. Christian McCaffrey looks unstoppable. Um, you know, George George Kittle. They just have a lot of weapons, and this Brock Purdy dude looks like he's he's got the chops. Now, Wink Martindale is probably frothing and drooling and uh hooting and hollering about trying about being able to face a Mr. Irrelevant rookie quarterback. I think that he's chomping at the bit. To get at that, to get that, uh, uh, that action, Hoss. So, but I, you know, just from a fan's perspective, seeing what the 49ers are doing and just like the momentum they have, it's like, uh, uh, it's a hard pass. I will say it is going to be the 20th anniversary of the wild card collapse when the Giants went into San Francisco and put a whooping on them for, for the most of the game and then blew the 21 point lead something like that, to lose on uh, that stupid botched field goal. That should have been pass interference, but why reopen that wound? Why would you do that, Neil? But uh, so, and a lot of people, I think, maybe thought, you know, Giants squeaked in that year in 2002, like it took them to the last game of the year. Is this sounding familiar yet? Took him to the last game of the year against the Eagles with a backup quarterback, A.J. McFeely, I think it was, to pull out a very hard-fought 10-7 win in, in overtime, I think, where we had a lot of opportunities and missed them and fumbles and penalties, and but we pulled it out. We're facing the Eagles, last game of the season this year, and if all things stay the way they are, we'll be going to San Francisco for the wild card round, so hopefully we'll get uh, different results. Uh, so how can the Giants clinch a playoff berth? Glad you asked. 
If they beat the Vikings and the Commanders lose the 49ers and the Lions lose the Panthers and the Seahawks lose the Chiefs, that's it, baby. We're in. For spot number seven, I guess we can clinch it if the Giants beat the Vikings, the Commanders lose the 49ers, and the Lions lose the Panthers, okay? So we don't need a Seahawks loss to the Chiefs in order to get that seven spot. Another situation is we beat the Vikings, Commanders lose the 49ers, and the Seahawks lose the Chiefs, and the Lions can do whatever the hell they want because we get the seven seed. Case number three, Giants beat the Vikings, Lions lose the Panthers, Seahawks lose the Chiefs, and the Commanders can just... uh. You know, go do whatever you want. Do you, Washington, do you. So those are three scenarios in which we can do this thing, put a bow on our playoff berth this Saturday, come like 4 o'clock, 4.30. It could be ours. It's right there. Um. So how can we get eliminated from a playoff spot? Well, we could potentially, like, I don't know how this is possible. Well, I guess I know how it's possible. The five spots not out of reach. It is highly improbable, probably not going to happen, but we still have a shot at the five seed, which I would prefer because then we get to go to Tampa and face a struggling Tampa Bay team. The Bucks look bad. So if I'm thinking about, okay, who we got to face, two, three, or four, I guess it would be the Vikings. I would most prefer to face than the Bucks or the Bucks than the Vikings and then the Niners. But if we lose to the Vikings and the Cowboys tie the Eagles, that five seed, no more. We lose or tie to the Vikings and the Cowboys beat the Eagles. We're also done for the fifth. So it's, you know, odds are probably not going to get the five seed. But I just thought that was interesting. And I bring it up because Cowboys, Eagles, they play on Christmas Eve night. And it looks like Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder, and he's going to miss the game, which means Gardner Minshew, come on down. Although I just saw that Vanden Esch, Vanden Esch, the linebacker for the Cowboys, he has a pinched nerve, and he's going to miss the game. So there's injuries on both sides of the ball, pretty critical. I would say the QB position, a little more important. Um, but the news on Hertz is that he, the x-rays were negative, and the MRI confirms it's not serious. He will be ready for the playoffs. Now, why do I bring this up? Well... The thought process was beat the Commanders, beat the Colts, and maybe we can even sneak a win from the Eagles in the final week of the season because they'll have things all wrapped up. It's like, all right, we got number one seed. We have home field advantage. We have a bye. Let's rest our starters. And uh, similar to what happened in 2002. So with the Hurts injury now, what if they lose the Cowboys? And then he's out another game, and they lose that game. And then the Vikings do their thing and keep up, keep pace. Then you're looking at, well, um, you know, I think they might have to play all their starters in that season finale if they want that home field advantage, which is so crucial and key. I can't remember. It, I, I believe the last couple times that the Eagles – have gone to the Super Bowl, they have had home field advantage, or at least they played all their playoff games, or most of the latter rounds at home, I believe. So, just something to keep an eye on. It was weird because watching him play the Giants, watching Jalen Hurts play the Giants, and watching him against the Bears, every time he scrambled, it looked like he was hurt. 
he's like kind of just like trotting and limping and it just looked like he had something wrong with his legs i didn't even think about uh his upper body or his shoulder but and you know Gardner Minshew's no slouch i think he has the capability to win especially with that that roster you know on par with Cooper Rush possibly right you know you surround a quarterback with an offensive line and weapons at wide receiver Wow, what a difference. So um, I think that's what most Daniel Jones supporters, myself included, believe. You know, it's like we, it looks like we have our tackles, our bookends, could probably do a little renovation in the middle and in the interior. And then uh, it'd be great to have like one or two, maybe three receivers that, you know, and I mean, interesting enough. Collinsworth was praising Washington for the ability to bring in guys like McLaurin, Samuel, and Dotson. He thought that's a pretty good trio. And yet, I mean, yeah, they had, the, you know, Dotson has the big play. McLaurin's, uh, you know, making waves. Uh, Samuel didn't do a whole hell of a lot, but they were like giving, they were handing him the ball off. And I was like, you know, you have another running back. And he's pretty good too, Gibson. Like, Gibson and Robinson are one of like three or four running back duos that have 125 carries this year or more. So it was interesting that they were not going Gibson as you're going to keep handing it off to Samuel. Huh? That's your, that's your thing. It's your shtick. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, if you're a commanders fan, pff, I'd be pissed too, but come see, come saw, man. So giants of the six seed, seven, five and one, we got at Minnesota on Christmas Eve. We got the Colts on New Year's Day at home. And then we're at Philly for the season finale, January 8th or 9th. I think a lot of people have us going one and two down the stretch. I would not be shocked if we go two and one. And fuck it, let's go three and oh, dude. This Minnesota team, I have a take. It's not very hot kind of luke but are the vikings just a healthier version of the giants and i can hear you laughing okay rude but i will say this if you took how the giants roster was originally constructed before all the injuries and they were all healthy and they all stayed healthy and they all like if Kadarius Tony knew the playbook and wasn't a jackass, and if Kenny Galladay gave a shit, and if Sterling Shepard didn't tear his ACL, and you know, it's those kind of things. Yeah, Josh Azudu doesn't get hurt, and um, Bellinger doesn't miss games, and blah, blah blah. It feels like we could be on par with the Vikings. Just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and people would be like you moron um so i think we could stun the world we could shock the world i mean the patriots took it to them to minnesota uh again down big time to the colts 33 nothing um looking kind of sloppy in that first half and then making a, the strong push in the second but that's you know uh, to blow a 33 point lead you know matt ryan you got a feel for him biggest blown lead in the super bowl biggest blown lead of all time in nfl history not his fault or is it his fault? Um, I just, but it shows you that, uh, and I mean, the Colts hung around with Dallas. They eventually got blown out of the water, but they hung around for, I want to say a half or three quarters. 
they only lost by one to at home versus Philly. So, you know, the Colts are no pushover, and I think that they're going to give us a run for our money. I think that's going to be a, a really tough test, but it's a home game. And God damn it, can we just have home field advantage once in a game where, like, us playing at home makes a difference? I feel like that has not been the case in so long where it's like, oh, the elements, and the, the other team couldn't handle the elements, and they couldn't handle the crowd noise, and it was just too much, and it was, you know. That'd be nice to to bring the friggin' heat against the Colts in the cold. Commanders have the seven spot, seven, six, and one. I said, Giants, eight, five, and one. Jesus. Commanders, seven, six, and one. Here's their remaining schedule. And stop me if you think I'm banana land, but 49ers, Browns, Cowboys, that smells, tastes, and feels like 0 for 3, like winless. I foresee seven, nine, and one in your future. Seahawks, uh, I think the Seahawks have the eight spot at seven and seven. Lions are also seven and seven. Did the Seahawks beat the Lions? Yes, they did. But it was close, and it was a shootout. So I guess the eight seed goes to the Seahawks currently. Their remaining games, hmm. Chiefs, Jets, Rams. So that could be a... 0 oh, and 1, 0 oh, and 2, 1 and 2. That could be 1 and 2 or 2 and 1, I think. So similar to what we got going on. The beauty of that is if we get one more win, the we finish 9, uh, 9 7 and 1. If they go 2 and 1, they would be 9 and 7. That doesn't sound right. What am I what am I missing here? Hmm. Thought I had that down pat and I whiffed. That doesn't sound right. That's not right. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Eight five one. Yeah, got it. Seahawks seven and seven. With three games left. Yeah, so if yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Neil. If they go nine and eight and we go nine seven one, we have the edge. So it's great. So realistically, by us winning one, that puts the pressure on them to win out, essentially. But if we don't win, we go 0 for 3, and we go 8, 8, and 1, and they win 2 of 3, then they, you know, obviously they, they in. Lions are 7 and 7. That's another team that beat us. So again, we win one game. And they lose a game, we're in. It's that simple. My goodness. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's the uh, that's the playoff picture. Remaining schedule for the Lions, who are seven and seven. Panthers, Bears, Packers. So it almost feels like if I were a betting man, which I am, and I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? I think the Lions have the edge of the Seahawks. I think the Lions, although the Panthers are pushing for the NFC South crown, which is crazy to say out loud, considering what they've gone through. Traded away McCaffrey, cut Baker Mayfield. That's their starting QB1. That's their starting RB1. And they're winning more games without them. <laughs> um, with Sam Darnold. Aye, aye, aye. So, not a cakewalk win. I think the Panthers will give them everything they got 
So that should be a close game. They've beaten the Bears before. They could probably beat them again. And then the Packers, that would be interesting. Because I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Packers. They're playing tonight against the Rams with, uh, lo and behold, Baker Mayfield starting a quarterback, and they are winning 24-12 to in the fourth quarter. Okay. So I'm sure the Packers would, wouldn't mind playing spoiler to the Lions in the last season of the game. So, and the Bears, I mean, Jesus, they took it to Philly on their home turf, but they took it to Philly and only lost by five, but they were up for a good portion of the game. So, like, their defense is stepping up. I don't know what's going on Justin Fields if he's still hurt, because I know he left the game uh, for a little bit. But if he stays healthy, I mean, those are three very losable games for the Lions, Um, especially if the old Lions show up. They're not these new age, new age lions. Um, so yeah, what an what a Christmas gift that would be if we beat Minnesota, and then we had everyone else lose. Oh my goodness! Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah as well, and Happy Kwanzaa. They're usually right around the same time. Power rankings, ESPN Football Power Index. This is a fish. This this thing. This index, this ranking system is officially off the rails. Okay. The Cowboys, who lost a heartbreaker to the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. F yeah, Jags. I'm jagging off right now. They're 10-4, and they're number one in the ESPN's Football Power Index. What are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? And for some reason, their offense has a higher ranking than their defense. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, Buffalo, number two, just edging out Kansas City at three, Philly four, Cincy five, which, you know, they got down early to the Bucks and then came back and looked pretty strong coming down the stretch of that game. Uh, I can't, I don't even know what their record, I mean, they're 10 and four now. I feel like they have won so many goddamn games in a row. It just feels like they can't lose. Um, so I would say the, the the I mean, obviously, Neil, obviously they're the biggest threat to the Bills and Chiefs in terms of getting to the AFC championship game. Ravens are right behind the Bengals at nine and five. Uh okay, sure. Lost 13-3 to the to the to the Browns in Cleveland. Um I know Lamar's been out the past couple weeks, but if he comes back or when he comes back, I guess they'll get back on track. J.K. Dobbins is also hurt, which I didn't realize, where like he's only running on one leg, but yet is still <laughs> still has a burst and is still picking up chunks and chunks and running for over 100 yards in the past few games. And then the Dolphins. Which, you know, the Dol- I mean, I think people are high on the Dolphins because it's been a while. It's been a minute since the Miami Dolphins were in the mix and, like, you know, looking like they could turn into a somewhat of a contender slash powerhouse. Um, you know, we haven't really seen the Dolphins do that since the Marino days. I mean, if you don't count the, the Wildcat days there with uh, Chad Pennington, was it? Chargers, who beat the Dolphins. Ha, ha, ha are ranked, same record as the Dolphins, are ranked below the Dolphins in this power index. And then you have the Niners, all the way down below the freaking Ravens, Dolphins, and Chargers, dude. 
what are we doing here, ESPN? I don't know what kind of algorithm you're using, what kind of formula, but this is wacky do. Like San Fran, in my opinion, is like a notch below Philly. That's where I put them. Then you have the freaking Packers at five and eight, the Jaguars at six and eight, which I don't disagree with that. Doug Peterson, that son of a B, has the Jags playing well. They almost beat us. They hung around against uh, Washington. They hung around against Philly. They hung around and they beat Dallas coming back, you know, down double digits multiple times in that game. Trevor Lawrence is blossoming. Travis Etienne, pretty decent back. They carry most of the load. They have a pretty decent receiver core. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Heaven Ingram. Oh, boy. So, and their defense, that defense is is pretty pretty tenacious. That's a tenacious D right there. With karate, I'll kick your ass from here right over there. Oh, yeah, a motherfucker. So, uh, Jacksonville, I agree with that. Even though they're six and eight, that's like they have, they could win this friggin' division. They could, they could win out and uh, snatch that crown from Tennessee. Tennessee. Then there's the Raiders. They have the freaking Raiders ranked higher than the Giants at six and eight. They're ranked 12th. I mean, what are we, what are you talking about, Tish? They have, uh, this is, I mean, you know, I don't think you would fully appreciate, maybe I'm not conveying the message the proper way, but holy fuck, dude. The Raiders are above the Patriots, Vikings, Bucks, Browns, Saints, Steelers, Titans, Commanders, Giants, Lions, Panthers. Feels like (laughs) it should be below all those teams. I mean, what a ridiculous finish to that game against the Patriots, dude. I mean, you know, I, I not to beat a dead horse, but holy macaroni, dude! New England, what do you? What's going on in New England? Eey. Um. So yeah, Pats are above the Vikings. Outrageous! They lost to the Vikings. <laughs> They're seven and seven. The Vikings are eleven and three. You know, the Buccaneers are ranked above. I guess the that's a that's an okay ranking. I guess they fell nine spots. And they have the defense ranked higher than the offense, which I agree with. The offense is just a calamity of errors. And uh, I bet Brady's I bet Brady's not happy, if I had to guess. Uh, but, like, the Browns, Saints, Steelers, Titans, and Commanders are, have a, are ranked higher on this stupid power ranking thing. And we beat Tennessee. We beat Washington, tied Washington. And I, I feel like we have a better team than the Browns and the Steelers. The Saints might give us trouble if we played the Saints. I could see it. If we played it in New Orleans, I think they could they could give us, uh, you know, give us hell. Because that defense is pretty stacked. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they don't have a high ranking here for some goddamn reason because the FPI is so bonkers. But, yeah. I would say the Steelers have a good defense, great defense, and the Saints have a pretty good defense, great defense. So I think those two would give us the biggest uh, challenge amongst the – I think we could beat Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, I think we could do it, especially with uh, Deshaun Watson now back in the mix. Um, 
We're also ranked above the Lions, which I don't I don't know. I think the Lions are scary, dude. I mean, I guess their defense stinks. For some reason the defense didn't stink against us, but I would put I would I would almost put them above us. And then the Panthers are just I don't know what to think of the Panthers, to be honest. Five thirty eight. If they're uh they have the two ratings. One is the QB adjusted rating and one is the traditional rating. I don't know which was which. I I cut that off for some reason. I cropped the picture the wrong way. But so Eagles, Bills, Chiefs are in. Cowboys are in. Niners, Vikings are in, right? They have the Bills with the highest probability of winning the Super Bowl, according to this. I think this is the QB adjusted rating. Uh, Chiefs had the second highest odds, followed by the Eagles, and then the Niners, and then the Bengals, and the Cowboys. Vikings have a 4% chance of winning the Super Bowl. They get the the Ravens a 2% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, okay. They actually have the Titans with a higher probability than the Dolphins, but whatever, dude. Whatever. And then you get the Giants all the way down at the bottom. We're below the Jaguars. <laughs> We're below like two, three teams that are not like ha- don't have uh the best odds of making the playoffs. Like we have better odds of making the playoffs and yet we're ranked below them according to this QB adjusted rating. And then I think there's a traditional rating and maybe I have this backwards. I probably have this backwards, but um, yeah, it was pretty much the same. We're below the Jags and the Lions. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Like we beat the Ravens, dude. We beat the Titans. I got to say that every freaking week we did lose the Lions though. We beat the Jags. So those are their stupid power rankings, which I, I that's probably the last week I'm ever going to do that. I just feel like they're so absurd. It's like, what's the point anymore? We all know that they're messed up. So let's preview the Vikings game, Minnesota Vikings, Christmas Eve. Be there, be square. Uh, one o'clock game. Vikings are favored by four, uh, and the over-under is 47.5. I would say... I would take the Giants plus four. Yeah, baby. And then, I don't know. If it goes over, though, we're not winning, right? If it's under, we're winning. If it's over, I don't think we're winning. Uh, Kirk Cousins, obviously, slinging that rock. 3,800 yards, more than 3,800 yards through the air, 24 touchdowns. Um, Justin Jefferson, Absolute beast, over 1,600 yards receiving, seven touchdowns, and Dalvin Cook uh, surpassed 1,000 yards rushing as eight touchdowns. Also a menace in the in the uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. The last five matchups have not really gone our way. <laughs> um, we did. We lost to Minnesota in 2019. Uh, it was pretty bad. We lost to Minnesota in 2016. It was pretty bad. Uh, we lost to Minnesota big time in 2015. That was the Monday night football game at the University of Minnesota when OBJ was suspended because he decided that he wanted to decapitate Josh Norman from the Panthers the week before. Uh, we won the 2013 game. That actually snapped our 0-7. I think we were 0-7 going into that game and we we got our first not we notched our first win on Monday night football and the Vikings lead the series 17 12 
Is that surprising? No, it's not really surprising. I feel like we've struggled with the Vikings for the most part, except in the playoffs. <laughs> it seems, feels like in the playoffs, we got them. Regular season, not so much. So if we're looking at team ranks, uh, Giants are 4-2 and two on the road. And uh, the Vikings are really good at home. They're 7-1. and one. So that's not uh, looking too good in our favor. Um, whoa, back the truck up, dude. We're 10 and 4 versus the spread. Minnesota is 6, 7, and 1. So that's another reason why you should take the Giants plus four. Giants have scored 20 and a half points per game, which is good enough for 20th in the league. <laughs> Vikings are scoring 25.1 points per game, which is eighth in the league. We're allowing 22.3 points per game, which is 14th. And uh, they're allowing 24.9 points per game, which is 28th in the league. So at first blush, looks like this is the game that maybe our offense fucking turns it up a thousand notches. Kafka needs to, there's no, you don't have to worry about the weather or anything like that. Just let your freak flag fly, Michael Kafka, Michael Kafka. Just fucking do it, dude. Just get naked up there in that booth as you look down and peer down on all the peons. Just freaking get naked, dude. Just let her rip. Uh, especially with Saquon looking like he's back. Back to life. Back to reality. Yeah, Saquon looks like he's 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 pumped. He's ready and he's willing. You know, it looked like the the light had gone out on him. After that Texans game, it was just like he just didn't look the same. And then this one was like, oh, he he back. Okay, he back. We're tied. Both teams are tied for sixth most, uh, sixth best takeaway differential at plus four. So that'll be interesting to see who caves first in the turnover column. Uh, we're 28th in the league in passing yards a game, which is actually unbelievable. I thought we'd be dead last. <laughs> I really thought that. But I guess there are some teams out there who are, ugh, I can't imagine watching those teams. I doubt they're 8-5-1. <laughs> and, and, you know, the Vikings have one of the best passing attacks in the league. Seventh overall uh, at 259 yards a game. We're able to run the ball. And when we run the ball well, we win. So we're sixth in the league with 146 rushing yards per game, in large part due the fact that Daniel Jones is a weapon, he is an option, a valid option, that teams have to account for. So I'd like to see a little more of that RPO action. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, the Vikings do not run the ball well. 95 yards a game. They're 20th in the league, which with a guy like Dalvin Cook, you think that those numbers would be higher, they'd be better at that, but apparently not. So that kind of bodes well for us because at least we're not going to get gashed or if we do get gashed it won't be as bad <laughs> it's not going to be like 254 rushing yards that we let up to the eagles you know if we can keep them at that 95 rushing yards per game you know in, in this game 95 total rushing yards i think we pull out a w dude if we can if we can keep them to 95 or less yards i think that's a win for us and then it's just going to be a matter of like how do we compete with Jefferson and Thielen and they have another great uh, not great but really good wide receiver KJ right no that's not it 
begins with a K. Um, defensive passing yards per game. They're 31st. So that's why I'm telling the Kafka, dial it up, baby. Crank that shit to 11. Let's do this. I want to see multiple Slayton. I want to see Hodgins deep digs, dig, 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 dig with Hodgins or back shoulder or vertical or verts. I want to see Slayton double moves. You know, I want to see Richie, Richie James get Richie James get all up in that crevice up the seam. Let's see it, dude. And I, I'm sick of like this uh, underneath bullshit to Saquon. He leads the team in receptions, and yet his his yards per catch are like four yards, maybe. I've been saying this. I don't know how fucking long I've been saying this, but like the the one time that they split him out and throw him the ball, it's almost ten yards. How about you split him out more? And that, this is, this is the 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 formation that I love the most is Brita and Saquon in the game at the same time, and one of them is spread out a wide receiver. It just it it's got to mess with the defense to the extent where you, someone's going to be open because there's a little bit of confusion going on. So I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see more, uh, you know, and this is part of, you know, the limitations that the offensive line has. The reason why we're not running those patterns and throwing those patterns is because whenever we try, the offensive line does not give Daniel enough time to throw the freaking ball. So I'd still like to see, maybe it doesn't have to be, 15 plus yards down the field, but I want to see guys moving north and south when they catch the ball. I'm like, uh, the, the crossers are great and the flats and the outs and the da da da, they're all great, but I, I want to see, like, let's get vertical and up the field with the ball. And, and uh, to be frank, uh, to be honest, they have been doing that even on the uh, parallel parallelograms, the, the, you know, the, the crossers and whatnot when they're running uh, across the field. They do. They are doing a pretty decent job of catching it and lunging forward. Catching it, get north immediately. I think that's like key. They picked up a couple first downs that way. Um, defensive rushing yards per game. I mean, we're 29th in the league. I mean, it's just like it's just uh, it's pretty <laughs> pretty ugly. But if we are facing a pretty poor rushing team, maybe we're able to you know maybe we're able to keep them in check, especially if Landon Collins is suiting up. And then uh, defensive rushing yards per game, they're 18th. So they're not like top echelon in terms of run defense. So I think Saquon should have a fair amount of success. And maybe this is recency bias, but I feel like with a win like they had against Washington, it kind of breaks you free of your chains. They've been chained up the past four or five weeks. That loss to the Lions really took a lot of the out of them. And I think that carried over into the Dallas game and the Washington game and the Philly game. It was just like, oh boy. We just took a big old punch the dick and we're still out of breath. So uh limbs are tingling. But I think at the very least, this game feels like it's setting up for a possible remake, reboot of what we saw at the end of the 2007 season where we hosted New England. Both teams had all starters going and we took them to the bell. You know, we took them all 12 rounds, 10 rounds, whatever it is. Lost 38-35, but that was a loss, but it was almost like a win because it was like we we felt like if we can compete with the undefeated team led by Tom Brady, Ren Nemos, Wes Welker, and that crew, 
and that roster and that team that was playing to win because they wanted the undefeated season, they had impetus, they had motivation, and we can stick with them, then maybe we got a shot. And it feels like if we can stick with Minnesota and even if we and lose by three, or even if we lose by less than a, by a score or less. So I'm going to say even seven points, I would consider, a, a, depending on how we play, obviously, a moral win. And I think that would be enough to give us the confidence to take it to the Colts and secure the playoffs. And then we don't really have to worry about that game against Philly. I mean, I don't think. Um, but that's that's kind of the parallels that I'm seeing between this season and, and prior seasons. You got like that final game against Philly in 2002 could replicate that. The wild card visits of the 49ers. Holy crap. How many times have we done that in our postseason? And then, uh, you know, a game against a top tier team where we're not favored and we, we hang around and we, we put up a pretty decent fight. So that's kind of what I foresee. It's like, man, it would be pretty cool if we pull out the upset win. And I think we, after seeing the the kind of spirited play that we got from the team against Washington in Washington, and, you know, Washington's not, they were a pretty hot team there for, I mean, they were pretty hot. They were like, what, six, six and one? They were the hottest team in the NFL, I think, when we tied them. So, and then they, I think we just handed them their first or second loss in the past seven or eight games. Yes, aided by the refs. I heard you. I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. But uh, after a win like that, a win can do wonders for your team. And especially when, um, you know, I don't think we're going to get McKinney back. I don't think we're going to get Adoree Jackson back. It was just nice to get Bredesen back. It's like, let's just get someone back <laughs> and healthy and contributing uh, and making a difference. But uh if we can't get Adori and Xavier back for this week, my God, dude, they have got to be back for that Colts game. Have to be back. Do whatever the hell you need to do. Um, but once we get those two back, oh boy. Soup's on, brother. All right. So that's the Giants uh, for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It feeds my soul. Uh, so thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, okay? Adios, muchachos.